once we find that baseline, we start to manage that number and things start to improve. And just like the title of my book says, you start to go from panic to profit. You start to find the reliability in your firm. You start to be able to really count on some things and you start to have confidence in what your firm is doing. You're listening to Be That Lawyer, life-changing strategies and resources for growing a successful law practice. Each episode, your host, author, and lawyer coach, Steve Fretzen, will take a deeper dive, helping you grow your law practice in less time with greater results. Now, here's your host, Steve Fretzen. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Be That Lawyer. I hope you're having a lovely day. I am shot out of a cannon once again and ready to rock and roll with a great guest for you. Uh, first, just a bit of, of business. As you know, Fretzen is the place to go for business development and coaching training. We are not just doing coaching. We are doing both coaching and training. So what does that mean? That means you get one-on-one attention from me, but I also put you in a room with 10, 15 other attorneys that are also highly motivated to learn business development, to role play, to work on your business and learn the skills they never taught you in law school. They never taught you at the, at the law firm level. And we get in depth, we get into the weeds and we teach it so that you have it internalized. You never need to go through the program twice, one time, do it right, get it done, rock and roll. And as you know, we also do peer advisory. Uh, so feel free to check out my website at fretson.com to learn more about that. But on to the meat and potatoes. Uh, today, we've got author and president of Cathedral Capital, and that is Brooke Lively. How's it going, Brooke? Steve, it's awesome. It's awesome. In Fort Worth, it's awesome. Is that what you're saying? It is awesome in Fort Worth. It, you know, it's only like 90 something degrees today. We're not in the triple digits. Okay. And, you know. And then you're, we you're celebrate heading, where we can, but you're heading off to Europe is what you're telling me. Why are you going to Europe? Uh, I because I rented a boat and I'm going to cruise the Dalmatian coast in Croatia for a week. Wow. Okay. Well, you're the third person that said they were doing that to, that to me today. So I'm not sure <laughs> Jeez, what's going on. It's going to be crowded. It's going to be very crowded over there. That is crazy. Are you a, you're a sailor? So you sail or? Uh, no, I, I, I have a you crew. cruise. You cruise. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. My son did sailing over the last couple of summers. So he's like, you know, a three person boat. He can, he can ma- manage, but I think if it gets too big, then it might be a different story. Yeah. This boat holds it. Uh, well, it'll hold 12 guests plus four crew. Okay. Wow. Well, that sounds like a dream trip. Well, good for you. Yeah. A little jealous. Got to tell you a little jealous. So this is my going away deal. I get to talk to you today. <laughs> okay, well, let's make it. Let's make it count and make it stick. Um, you know, the show is all about helping lawyers to be that lawyer, someone who's confident, organized, a skilled rainmaker. In order to do that, there's all these different elements that go into it. So, what's your background in dealing with lawyers and law firms? Oh gosh, <laughs> so I have this thing about attorneys. My father's an attorney, my brother's an attorney, two of my uncles, I don't know how many cousins, and um, really basically every guy I've ever dated. (laughs) Literally, the guys I dated in high school grew up to be six foot two left-handed lawyers who wear glasses. Um, I really need to stop dating this type. Yes. I'm unmarried. 
Um, and I did, oh, this was hysterical. I was in um, DC and I got called for jury duty. And, you know, my father has always said the two people he didn't want on his jury were an attorney or an engineer because they're going to poke every hole. Oh, his, sure. Oh, yeah. In this case, right. So, but I did learn early on to raise your hand for everything during voir dire, which, by the way, in Texas, it's called voir dire. <laughs> right. It really is. It's voir dire in Texas. I don't know why. So, so I'm doing voir dire and I'm raising my hand on everything. And I get called up to talk to the judge. And um, she's like, well, like, how many attorneys do you know? So, well, you know, I had a dinner party last night. There were eight of us. Seven of them were attorneys. And before she could catch herself, she said, you need a better class of friends. <laughs> the lawyer jokes endless, right? I know. And the judge made it. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, I love lawyers and I always have. Yeah. Well, I got beat up by one my whole life growing up with my father and my my audience knows I've got a father lawyer. And this is a guy who would take a 13 page document, come back to me with 15 pages of notes and say, here's all the changes we're going to make to this document. I go, really? The other side's going to agree to that? He goes, oh, no, they won't agree to any of it. OK, well, can I have three hours of my life back that you just spent explaining this to me? Yeah. Or so what was the purpose of that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But anyway, he, he had all the best intentions with me and everyone else that he engaged with, um, no matter how painful it was at times. Um, and by the way, you know, why'd you park on the, you know, park on the, uh, the lawn? You know, he asked me questions like that. I don't know why. Anyway, um, those were some college days. We won't talk. We won't go back there. Um, so, all right. So you're involved in lawyers on every potential aspect of your life and yeah. working with them too. I work with them too. I, yeah. You know, one of the things I was working for my father's law firm, I, I went to grad school and got this, you know, MBA in finance and did what you're supposed to do and ended up, I was working for a hedge fund. And then ultimately I ended up running my father's law firm. And um, he, it, it was really interesting because we hired a consultant at one point and his clients started coming to me and saying, can you do for us? what you do for your father. Can you teach us how to run our businesses by the numbers? And that was when I realized that attorneys are kind of intimidated by their numbers. And, you know, I just, I love it. I get the attorney mindset. I understand how your firm works and there's just nothing better than going in and making a change that helps a firm see where they are and make decisions better and, you know, make more money. Yeah. I mean, we keep going back to this concept of, you know, it's the business of law. And I know that that there are people that want to push back on that and everything, but it's just getting more and more that way as the years go on. And it's less of a wild West show where people just make stuff up as they go. Cause that's sort of what it was, right? Well, I think that, you know, 50 years ago when my father started practicing or 55, however long it's been, um, I think there were fewer attorneys. There was less pressure on pricing. I think it was easier to make money as an attorney in that environment. And, you know, I haven't looked at the stats recently, but a few years ago, law schools were pumping out more attorneys than there were jobs. So, 
the law to some extent is becoming a commodity unless you really differentiate yourself somehow. Yeah. And so I think that we have to pay more attention to the way we're running the firm and running it like a business than we used to. So what are some of the things that you're seeing? Maybe it's culturally, maybe it's, it's a lack of attention to the numbers that you're seeing like on a regular basis that you just roll your eyes and go, oh boy, another one. Um, I think it's just the apprehension about everything financial. Yeah. You know, I, what's the joke? Lawyers go to law school because they're promised no numbers <laughs> or, or my other favorite one, there's only one calculation an attorney can do in his head. And that's, you know, contingency fees. <laughs> can do it quickly. Yeah. Oh yeah. We can get those one thirds really fast. Um, I think that, I think that there is just some apprehension about the numbers and, and, and I totally get it. You go to law school and, and they tell you that you're the, you're supposed to be the expert and you're supposed to have the answers. And it is very hard when you get out and maybe you practice in another firm and you think I can do this differently and you go and you open your own firm, which let's face it, the vast majority of attorneys are working in solo and small firms. It, it's, it's not what you think it was. And it's a little bit harder. And, and I think that just teaching something so that, so that attorneys feel more comfortable because where do you turn when you're the one that's supposed to have all the answers? Right. Well, I think the, the, the answer is to other experts. And I, and I think it's slowly happening. If you're not a marketing person, you need to hire a marketing expert. If you're not a business development person, you know, I might be on a list. If uh, you struggle with the numbers and, and looking at the finances and understanding what you need to do to grow and be profitable and, and sustainable, then, you know, call Brooke. So that's, right. that's it. So we just solved all the world's problems there. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So let's talk about your book from panic to profit. And let's go through some of the key things that you share in that book. And we'll obviously give all that information, the, um, the details in the, in the, uh, in the show notes. So if you want to go grab that book, it's on Amazon, I'm assuming. Oh gosh. Yes. Of course. Of course. And soon the audio version, right? Audio version is coming soon. I got that recorded. Don't know when it's going to be live, but but yeah, it's on Amazon. It was an international bestseller on Amazon. Um, So here's the book in a nutshell. I don't think the numbers should have to be hard. When I talk about looking at the numbers in your law firm, I want to look at six numbers and I want them to be fairly simple. And my team and I came up with this. I was at a, an EO meeting, Entrepreneurs Organization, which is a group of entrepreneurs. And I was at a meeting a few years ago and one of the guys asked, okay, if you were on a desert island at a five-star resort and there's no phone, no internet, no TV, the only way you get information is from the captain of the boat who comes by once a week to drop off new guests, pick up departing guests and deliver supplies. What three pieces of information would you need? 
And I was like, Ooh, I don't know. And so I took it back to my team and we said, is it three? Is it 13? Is it five? Is it 20? You know, what's the number? And what we finally did was we looked at a firm and we divided it into six parts. And we said, there is a key number for each part that will basically give us the pulse of the business. So, and we wanted really simple numbers. We wanted easy things to find. So if you are on the desert island and you want to stay for another week, the six numbers you want to look at are um, your cash flow forecast. How much cash are you going to have at the end of every week for the next six to eight weeks? Um, what's your owner compensation? And we want to know that because we want to know if you're getting paid. So this is the, the category of ideal ratios. How are we spending our money and are you getting what you should get? Um, then we wanted to know about production. Is work moving through the firm? And the key number there is your whip, your work in progress. Um, once, um, we also want to know marketing and sales. Is that working? And how do we know if that's working? Well, we look at sales calls booked. Case management is a big one. How much pressure does an average case put on your firm? What's the average price, the average length, the average staffing? And are you appropriately staffed? Can you handle all of this? And we know that by net new cases. So cases opened minus cases closed. What's your net new? And then the last one is your budget versus actual. I know nobody wants a budget. I get it. Budgets are limiting. Budgets suck. I totally agree. We like to call it a profit plan. Um, but, you know, are you on track to hit your goals? And that's a big one for us. So four of these are forward-looking and two help you get back on track. Owner compensation and budget versus actual help you make sure that you're going to hit your goals. Well, I think there's so many other... Once you understand these numbers, then you have the ability to make some pretty dramatic and interesting changes. Because if you see, for example, that your, your net new isn't where it needs mm -hmm. to be, well, maybe there's an investment that needs to be made in sales and marketing, right? And in, in getting right. those cases in. If you see that your owner's comp isn't, I mean, definitely you need to get paid, right? Um, and so why aren't you and, and, and how much are you looking, to, should you be making based on the, the total uh, profit or total gross? right? Yep. So when all of this is said and done and, and you've gone in and you've calculated all these six points within a law firm, what's the general response or reaction? Is it, is it usually what they thought? Is it completely different than what they thought? Um, <laughs> this is going to sound horrible. Attorneys are shockingly optimistic when it comes to their numbers. Okay. I get it. So, so there are times when I show them numbers and they're like, well, no, that can't possibly be right. I'm like, mm, yes, 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 it is. Um, and as we start, you know, what's the expression? Um, if you measure it, you can improve it. Or uh, if you like measured, that. well, I, I usually say um, if, if you can measure it, you can manage it. 
And then ah. there's another saying on top of that, that I just did this earlier today. Somebody said the, it like one up to me. Like I said, if you can't measure, you can't measure. He's like, you can't, you know, there was something even better that I, we should have written it down. Oh, well. Anyway. <laughs> well, yeah. So measure and manage. If you don't know what it is, you have nowhere to start. You have no way to improve it. And once we find that baseline, we start to manage that number and things start to improve. And just like the title of my book says, you start to go from panic to profit. You start to find the reliability in your firm. You start to be able to really count on some things and you start to have confidence in what your firm is doing. So instead of, ooh, are we going to make it? Is it going to be bad? Are we going to be able to make payroll in three days? You're starting to look at things. So, you know, your cash flow forecast tells you if you're going to have money next week or not. It's going to tell you by week. But then you also start to look at WIP. This month's WIP is next month's revenue. And then when we start to look at net new cases, you know, the, the new case, the person that signs this month is going to be revenue in one or two months. When we look at sales calls, sales calls booked this month are going to be clients next month, which means we're going to have billing the month after that and revenue the month after that. So when you start to see these numbers, we're no longer trying to figure out if we're going to make payroll in four days. Now we're starting to look out and we're like, mm, our sales calls are really where they're where they should be. Our revenue is going to be fine for the next three to four months. And that gives you a whole different outlook. It gives you more time. It gives you a longer runway to try new things. Yeah. So if you know your revenue is good for the next three to four months, then, then you can take a risk on a new marketing thing. You can go on vacation. I mean, Steve, how many attorneys have you talked to that have gone on vacation for a week and have come back and everything has ground to a halt in their law firm because they're not there to manage it and they're not there to do sales calls. So they're going to be clients. Yeah, it's it's just adds to the roller coaster ride they're already on of feast or famine. And usually Absolutely. they come back, they come back hoping to be stress-free and then it actually is double double the stress. Right. Because now they're in a cash crunch and they have to make up for lost time. So yeah, everything we do is trying to build a solid foundation in a firm so that the owners can look further and further and further out because the further out you look, the more strategic you become. Yeah. And I'm, I'm trying to help lawyers work a year, not a full year out, but quarter to quarter within a year to achieve mm-hmm. goals, right? To get their sales numbers up to, you know, if they want to get from a half a million to a million or, you know, individual lawyers, for example. And, um, you know, my job is is to understand that they there is going to be an ebb and a flow with how busy they get. And so that it's it's business development at high, you know, at a, at a high, high rate. And then if you slow down, maybe it's at a slower rate, but never, never a hundred percent off. You always got to be right. on to some degree, but sales, business development, sales, whatever we want to call it, you know, I'm obviously very focused on that. And yeah. is there something that you're finding within the numbers that makes sales less important than something else? Or there's other ways to find money or inefficiency that can actually make up for sales? Well, 
Like, so maybe, like, a- maybe, like I was going to say, like maybe finding inefficiencies or finding yeah. where there's profit that they just didn't realize that maybe they should capitalize on that type of thing. Yeah, there's, there's a phrase that I learned when I was in retail and it's sales cures all. Here's the problem. If you're losing money on every sale, selling more is just digging your hole deeper. Yeah. So yeah, there's some things that we really look at. Um, and it's in that section on ideal ratios. So we believe in running a law firm on the rule of thirds. One third of revenue goes to the people doing the work. So the attorneys, the paralegals, you know, one third goes to payroll. One third goes to overhead, rent, marketing, copier, rental, phone. And one third should go to you as profit. Now, when you're growing a firm, you might give a little on some of those. You might say, I want to, I want to do this big marketing thing. I know that's going to be expensive. Um, I know it's going to have great results. So I need to bring on another staff. And you may for a certain time make a decision to reduce your portion of profit to plow it back into the firm to make more money. Yeah. And it's an investment. Right. You're making that investment. But really, if you're spending 80 or 90% on your people, I don't care how much you sell, you are never going to make any stinking money. Yeah, that's a big problem when you when you have such high over. I mean, I had that happen to me where I was, you know, I was running four companies. I had three offices. I had 13 employees. My overhead was 35,000 a month. I hadn't taken a paycheck mm-hmm. and I had to pay everybody and take care of everything before I got paid. And then at the end, it's not that I lost money. I didn't ever lose money, but I certainly wasn't making what I could have or should have. And so I think I had like a tough, a tough lesson to learn early on in my career, but right. um, that you, you weren't think- being compensated for your time, Oh no, your effort or the risk that you're taking on, because let's yeah. be really clear when you own a business, when you own a law firm, it is your name, your social security number and, and your credit report on the line. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's it. And so we, we have to, you know, we want to have fun, but we also have to take things, you know, sometimes deathly serious, especially if you're running a show. Um, and even within a law firm, just for those listening that say, well, I don't have that problem. I work at a law firm, you know, <laughs> they, they're thinking about your compensation. They're thinking about, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, you know, are they profitable on you? And if the business slows down or if the margins start getting cut or procurement car, par, departments start stepping in, you know, your, your job isn't guaranteed, right? So No, it's not. And, and we talk a lot. So, you know, pricing is one of the first places we look. Um, are you paying your attorneys properly? And are you charging appropriately for your attorneys? And we say that a law firm should get between a three and five X return on the cost of employment. So all in salary, bonuses, taxes, 401k, all in, let's say someone is, we're paying them a hundred thousand dollars a year. So that's like, I don't know, let's say that's an $85,000 salary and a little bonus and some taxes. 
we need to be getting between, we need to be billing and collecting, collecting being the key word here, between 300 and 500,000 for that attorney. Yeah. And that's what makes the legal industry so profitable is that type of a return. If you can find good people and get them to work and, and, and build those hours and you have that business coming in, um, that's why when a firm has 10, 20, 30, a thousand attorneys, they're making bank. Yeah. Right. If you are properly priced, if you're properly incentivizing your attorneys, if they are properly comp- um, compensated and if you are charging the right amount for them. All right. Here's, can I throw a trick question at you? Yeah. Okay. So there's something going on right now. And, and this is, this is probably going to be, you know, in October when this posts. Okay. Um, but there's something going on right now where attorneys are able to make more than they've ever made. There's a, there's a, either a shortage of talent, there's people leaving, they're getting compensated sometimes 50, 50 um, percent of their additional to their current salaries. How is that going to impact the legal industry in the future? If, if that's going on, like people are getting really well compensated now, maybe too much. All right. So I'm going to have to, have you clarify that? Right. Are you saying that clients are paying 50%? No, no, no. Let me, let me, let me, sorry. Let me start over. So okay. a, a lawyer gets a job, gets recruited to another firm. Okay. Yep. Gets a job offer. That's 50% more than the current salary. So maybe making two fifty. Now he's getting yeah. 50% more. Okay. On top of that goes back to his current firm says, Hey, this is what I'm being offered at this other firm. Their firm says, don't leave. We'll pay you the same. Boom. The guy just made 50% more through a couple conversations, the firm does that 10, 20, 30, 50, hundred times because that's what's going on. How is that going to impact eventually that firm? Yeah. So um, who was the biggest firm that, that declared bankruptcy? It wasn't Dewey LaBeouf. It was somebody else. Um, was that the case though? They were just, they were way, way overpaying, they were for, overpaying. The, for the talent. Yeah. They were overpaying. And that's the thing. If, if you can get that job as an attorney, oh, grab it with both hands, but also be aware that that law firm may not be there for a long time. Yeah. That's, that's the interesting way to look at it because, you know, they're not, they're not maybe thinking rationally because they real, well, maybe they also realize if they lose that attorney, they're losing that five to 10, you know, that three to five times of what they're currently getting, on 550 an hour or whatever that mm-hmm. works out to 2000 hours or whatever it adds up. Well, it does. So here's the thing. If a law firm is going to pay you $250,000, then they better be collecting almost a million dollars on you. Yeah. If you're only billing half a million and you know it, I mean, come on, every attorney knows how many hours they're billing and what their billing rate is. Right. Sure. Sure. I mean, we know this. Um, I also, so Clio does a um, kind of a report on, it's called the Legal Trends Report. They put it out every year about the state of the legal industry. And I think they pull information from their system to be able to give those numbers. They say the average collection rate in the U.S. is 86%. I think that's total BS. The only way they can possibly be getting a number that high is um, by counting all the contingency firms that basically collect 100%. <laughs> so 
I think the average collection rate is really somewhere closer to 75 to 80%. So if you're billing half a million and you're working for an average firm, let's say that they're collecting 80%, that means they're paying you 250, they're only collecting 400 and that is not sustainable. Yeah. So, so grab the money and go. If you're billing 250, if, if they're paying you 250 and you're billing a million dollars a year, Everybody's, everybody's, everybody's winning, except everybody's winning. You may not be, but you may not, you know, if you're, if you're billing, you know, you're working maybe too much, they're overworking you to get to that number. That could be an issue, but that can be an issue, but you know, something that we've discovered when I talk about billing goals, because I talk about billing goals a lot and I talk about setting them. I talk about managing them. I think it should be a weekly discussion with everyone on your team, the attorneys and the paralegals, are you hitting your billing goals? Why aren't you hitting your billing goals? How can I help you hit your billing goals? What one thing are you going to commit to doing differently this week to hit your billing goal? Um, I get a lot of pushback about it. And one of them is from those hourly attorneys that are like, I got out of school and I went to work for big law and I had to build 2000 hours just to keep my job. And I was sleeping on a partner's couch and I hated everybody. And I don't want to do that to my team. That's fair. I don't think you should. We think you can run a really profitable firm billing between 12 and 1400 hours a month. I mean, a year. But law firms are going to need the guidance to get to get things worked out so that it's so, because I think this, this without knowing the numbers and without having the kind of advice that you're providing, Brooke, like there's going to be some cultural breakdowns. There's been them in the past and there's going to be even more in the future, especially with the way the world is changing. So I think more now than ever, uh, if you're listening to this and you run a firm or, or you have contacts at the, the heads of your firm, you may want to reach out to Brooke and, and maybe not right away. Cause she's well, She's going on a trip, but you'll be, by the time you guys hear this, she'll be back from her trip. I'll, I'll be back. I'm only going to be gone for two weeks. Oh, okay. Okay. Then you'll be in good shape. But if people want to reach out to you to get more, obviously they can go on Amazon and get your book, but if they want to yeah. reach out to you to have them come in and really evaluate their firm, or at least have that conversation about engaging you, how do they reach you? The easiest way, there, there are two ways. You can go to cafcap.com, C-A-T-H-C-A-P.com. Um, and there's a contact us button on, you know, every page on our website. I know you're shocked, um, but you can also email me personally. And my email address is Brooke, B-R-O-O-K-E at cathcap.com. And I am incredibly responsive on email. So, yeah, well, you're not only responsive, but you're also um, just highly knowledgeable in an area that many consultants or not, including myself, like I, I can read a PL, I can get through basic yes. level stuff, but you're at a whole other level. And so I, I like to stay in my lane, business development, marketing, sales, social media, right? And yeah. if you're looking to improve the, the way that your law firm functions and, 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 and find those gaps, I think you want to reach out to Brooke. Um, let's wrap up though, Brooke, if you don't mind with the three best of, you are in Fort Worth, Texas. Is that correct? I am otherwise known as Cowtown or where the West begins. All right. Well, very cool. Cowtown. Okay. So is beef the hot thing there? You got to go out and have a steak. So yes, uh, steak here is big. We are at um, the Chisholm trail ended here. So 
when um, the meat packers were all in Chicago, they would drive cattle from across Texas to Fort Worth, slaughter them, and then put them on the train to Chicago. Yep. And that's, so. that's, then there's the connection between Fort Worth and Chicago. I was hoping I'd hear that. So if I'm coming to Fort Worth and I want to have the best steak in town, or I want to have a great meal, where, where do I go? Well, as much as we are a steak town and we okay. are, don't get me wrong. I think if you come here, the place you really need to go to is Joe T. Garcia's. Joe T. Garcia's. Okay. Yeah. So it is when I was little, it was this itty bitty little house and you had to walk through the kitchen to get to the dining room. They only accepted cash. There was no menu. And at the end of the meal, they would kind of, and there was one thing like you sat down, they just brought you food. Like there was no choice. It was it and, the same food or was it different every time? Nope. Same food. Same food. Every time. Okay. They made one thing really well. Yep. Okay. Um, it, and they would kind of look around, they'd count how many people are at the table and then they would count either the empty pitchers for margarita or the beer bottles and they would throw out a random number. Okay. Okay. It's a little bit better now. The house is no longer leaning over the street. They've propped it up and it's now leaning kind of away from the street. And they have block, bought up four square blocks and they keep enlarging it. And so it now has beautiful gardens with, you know, like a water fountain and there's a reflecting pool and incredible landscaping. There's also, they've also added on to the interior. You no longer walk through the kitchen. Okay. Um, but it is still all cash. But you haven't told me what the food is. It's Mexican. Joe T. Garcia's. It's all Mexican right. food. Mexican food, but Mexican food, there's like so, so 10, diff- the, 10 or 20 different options, right? The menu is slightly larger now. Okay. So at dinner, you can either get the Mexican dinner, which is what they've always served, which is nachos that are like the size of your head. Okay. You get nachos, you get two cheese enchiladas, rice, beans, guac, two tacos. That sounds about right. Okay. Yeah. Or you can get fajitas, chicken, beef. They might have shrimp. I'm not sure because I mean, hello, I get the Mexican dinner. Yeah. That's what I'm getting. I know that. And they Uh, do have the best margaritas anywhere. Really? Okay. Well, listen, you're setting, you're setting up Fort Worth uh, right now. Um, And if I'm coming there and I, after I, maybe before I have that hearty meal, What's the best thing to do in Fort Worth? I'm coming to visit. I want the best thing I can see, best thing I can do. What is it? So there are two things and they're at the opposite ends of the spectrum. So the first is right near Jotis on the north side, which is where all the cattle was. So it is truly Cowtown down there. Every day at noon, we have a cattle drive with mm-hmm. Longhorn cattle. Very cool. I'm into it. And- And so that's fun. Okay. The flip side is we have the top privately endowed museum of European art in the U S here. What? We also have the top one. It used to be the top museum of Western art. Now it's just a really excellent museum of American art. We also have a modern art museum. So, um, 
Cowtown and culture, it really does go well together, but we have incredible museum exhibitions. Okay. Giorgio O'Keefe, Monet, I mean, all the huge names that you know come through here. Well, look at Fort Worth coming coming to play. I like yeah. it. All right. And so then what are the people into? People like you and your neighbors, like what, what are you, what are you other than trying to avoid getting COVID? Like what's the other, what's the other <laughs> hobby? <laughs> yeah. So for those of you who are listening, he kind of prepped me a little bit for this question. He's like, what does everybody do? I'm like, we're trying not to get COVID. <laughs> it's, um, everyone's, it's everyone's hobby right now. <laughs> it is everyone's hobby. Um, you know, this is a great place to live and raise a family. So generally things um, here, there's a lot that revolves around your children and um, families that have known each other for generations and generations. And um, so, you know, it's, it's high school football games on Friday night and the TCU frogs on Saturdays and, you know, we do like our sports teams. We've got plenty of them here and, and we're into kind of family activities. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Well, listen, this has been delightful. And I think the people listening uh, should be getting, you know, have, I'm sure are getting a lot out of it, uh, whether you're going to Fort Worth or whether you're trying to improve your law practice. Um, but I just want to thank you for, for being my guest, for, for sharing your wisdom and your, your mind about this. And, um, and, and how people get in touch with you. It was just, uh, and it was, I enjoyed our first conversation and even, I'm even more of a, a fan now. Well, thanks for having me on, Steve. I love talking to you too. All right. Well, we're just at the beginning of something here, I think. So, um, all right, everybody, listen, if you haven't taken a couple notes or you haven't uh, given this a little bit of thought and how the numbers relate to running a law practice or being a part of a law practice, um, you know, check out, uh, uh, Brooks book and on, on Amazon, all the, everything will be in the show notes. And again, it's all about being that lawyer, confident, organized, a skilled rainmaker. Take care, everybody. Be safe. Be well. Thanks for listening to be that lawyer, life-changing strategies and resources for growing a successful law practice. Visit Steve's website, fretson.com for additional information and to stay up to date on the latest legal business development and marketing trends. For more information and important links about today's episode, check out today's show notes.